Hello, I'm Maria Titizian. And I'm Rubina Margosian, and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of October 15. In the news, six Armenian soldiers are wounded after tensions on the Artsakh-Azerbaijan border escalate this week. Armenia's suit against Azerbaijan at the International Court of Justice takes place over two days. And India's Minister of External Relations comes to Armenia for a historic visit. Tensions have escalated on the Artsakh-Azerbaijan border. This morning, Azerbaijani soldiers opened fire on a vehicle belonging to Artsakh's Defense Army in the northeastern part of Artsakh. There were no casualties reported. The night before, however, on October 14, Azerbaijani forces opened fire in the direction of Armenian forces deployed on the eastern borders of Artsakh. Six Armenian soldiers were wounded. Two of them who had sustained serious injuries are recovering with no risk to their lives, according to Ardak Beklarian, Artsakh state minister, who also reported that at the time of the incident, an escalation was observed all along the contact line, which eventually subsided. Armenia's ombudsman, Arman Tatoyan, reported that the village of Norshen, which is close to the military post and other communities in the area, were also targeted. The Azerbaijani side denied any connection to the incident. Arsakh's defense army reported the incident to the Russian peacekeeping forces. Prior to this incident, Azerbaijan's defense ministry issued a statement claiming that an Azerbaijani soldier had been killed by an Armenian sniper around 6 p.m. on October 14. The Azerbaijani side applied to the Russian-Turkish Observation Center to investigate the matter. Artsakh's defense ministry denied Azerbaijan's claim and noted that at the time of the alleged shooting mentioned by Azerbaijan, Armenian forces deployed in the eastern part of Artsakh had heard sounds of a heated argument and fighting, which were followed by shots. The defense army also announced that Artsakh is strictly observed observing the ceasefire regime and expects an impartial investigation of the matter. And on October 13, Azerbaijan's Ministry of Defense announced that Armenian forces fired on a civilian truck traveling from Madagis to Kelbajar. According to the statement, no casualties were reported, but the vehicle was damaged. Artsakh's Defense Ministry denied the claim, stating that Azerbaijani provocations are aimed at straining the situation and undermining the Russian peacekeeping mission. This recent escalation on the border coincided with the two-day hearings of the application of the International Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Racial Discrimination in Armenia versus Azerbaijan case at the International Court of Justice, which commenced yesterday on October 14. The hearings deal with Armenia's request for emergency measures to release Armenian POWs, to close the military trophy park in Baku, and to protect Armenian cultural heritage now under Azerbaijani control. An international team of lawyers represented Armenia's case before the court. The Azerbaijani side was given a chance to counter the arguments of the Armenian side. The lawyers representing Armenia presented evidence of Azerbaijan's continued hateful actions against Armenia, bringing multiple examples of Aliyev's hate speech directed towards Armenia and Armenians, showing images of Armenian cultural monuments destroyed by Azerbaijan, and presenting the mistreatment and torture of Armenian POWs. The Azerbaijani side called Armenia as claims obviously hopeless and accused the Armenian side of using the court to score political points. Yerisha Giragosyan, Armenia's agent at the International Court of Justice and representative of Armenia before the European Court of Human Rights, stated that Azerbaijan removed mannequins and bloody helmets and the bullet-written helmets of Armenian soldiers from the Baku Trophy Park after Armenia filed the claim at ICJ. At the end of the two-day hearing, the court has to determine whether it has jurisdiction in the case, and while it will take years before it reaches a final ruling, it could rule on the emergency measures that 
we just mentioned above within weeks. And, you know, Rubina, I was listening to the to Armenia's lawyers and, you know, just hearing them, you know, point by point, bringing evidence of everything that has happened leading up to during and after the war. It does present a very strong case. And today it's still continuing. So we'll see that there is hope that these emergency measures could be applied in the case of especially the cultural monuments, hopefully the POWs as well. And there's a very similar case uh, filed by Azerbaijan against Armenia That's that right. is uh, coming up next. Right. So. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, this tension that we, uh, on the border that we spoke about earlier, uh, it's been continuing, and it had started before the hearings at The Hague had kicked off. An Armenian civilian was killed by an Azerbaijani sniper in Artsakh on October 9 while working on a farm near Mardagert. Russia's defense ministry confirmed the killing and stated that the command of the peacekeeping contingent is investigating the incident with the involvement of representatives from both sides. Armenia's Ministry of Foreign Affairs condemned what they called the gross violation of obligations under the November 9 ceasefire agreement by Azerbaijan and stated that the crime must be investigated properly and those responsible held accountable. Artsakh's Ministry of Foreign Affairs also issued a statement condemning Azerbaijan's actions, stating that Baku's aim is to disrupt the Russian peacekeeping mission and undermine its effectiveness. According to the statement, such incidents when civilians are targeted are manifestations of Azerbaijan's anti-Armenian policy and proof that Azerbaijan's call for peace and coexistence with the Armenian population of Artsakh are aimed to simply mislead the international community. And Artsakh's human rights defender Geram Stepanyan stated that the incident proves once again that Azerbaijani military positions deployed near residential areas of Artsakh are a real threat to the life of ordinary people. The mayor of Martaket stated in a conversation with CivilNet that a Russian peacekeeper was actually sitting next to the civilian who was actually in the tractor and working no, the land. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, on October 11, Artsakh's prosecutor's office confirmed that law enforcement forces in Artsakh apparently have evidence which can help identify who shot the civilian and what weapon was actually used, and that they are ready and willing to hand it over to the Russian side. The Azerbaijani side has yet to make an official statement about uh, launching an investigation into the matter. And on the same day that the civilian was killed in Artsakh, an Armenian soldier was wounded by Azerbaijani fire near Yerask. The soldier's life is not in danger. Azerbaijan's defense ministry has denied both shooting a civilian to death in Artsakh and wounding a soldier near Yerask. In addition to using Armenia's airspace to carry out its Baku-Nakhichevan-Baku flight, Azerbaijani Airlines is now also using Artsakh's airspace flying over Mardagert and Karvajar. Prior to last week, when Azerbaijani Airlines carried out a flight over Armenian airspace for the first time in seven years, Artsakh's airspace was declared closed by Azerbaijan. Baku had even threatened to shoot any airplane flying between Yerevan and Stepanagert. Currently, Azerbaijan Airlines is using the airspace of Armenia, Artsakh, and Iran for its flights. And Iran actually this week denied closing any airspace, mm. uh, its airspace for Azerbaijan, which was the, the reason, excuse, the, right. the excuse mm-hmm. they cited for flying over, for deciding to fly over Armenia's airspace. The foreign ministers of Armenia, Russia, and Azerbaijan met in Moscow on October 14 during a gathering of foreign ministers of CIS member states. Armenia's foreign minister Arad Mirzoyan noted that some clauses of the November 9 agreement remain un 
unresolved, in particular the return of army and POWs. He has also stated that the long-term solution of the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict is only possible within the framework of the OSCE Minsk Group based on the well-known principles. And during the online summit of heads of states of CIS members, Azerbaijan's President Ilham Aliyev announced once again that Azerbaijan has solved the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict by political-military means. He stated that Azerbaijan now faces the challenge to demine the territory that came under its control, claiming that Armenia continues to withhold the maps of landmines, and those that have been handed over only have a 25% accuracy. And Aliyev also blamed Armenia and Iran for organizing narco-trafficking from Iran to Europe via Nagorno-Karabakh for the last three decades prior to the 2020 Artsakh war. He announced that after restoring its 130-kilometer-long border with Iran last year, the volume of heroin that was confiscated on the border with Iran was doubled. He also spoke about Armenian POWs, stating that Azerbaijan has returned all Armenian POWs and that the remaining Armenians who are being held captive in Azerbaijan are saboteurs who were sent to the liberated territories to carry out sabotage two weeks after the November 9 agreement was signed and were arrested by Azerbaijani soldiers. Aliyev claimed that under international law, those Armenian soldiers can't be considered POWs. He concluded his speech by saying that Azerbaijan, as the winning side, is ready to normalize relations with Armenia and expressed hope that Armenia will not, quote, miss this historic chance. In his remarks, Armenia's Prime Minister Nigol Pashinyan said that for any political and economic negotiations to register progress, the atmosphere in which these negotiations take place is very important. However, he mentioned Azerbaijan has still not returned all Armenian POWs, hostages, and other detained persons, which it was supposed to do under Article 8 of the November 9th Agreement. Pashinyan said that it is important to start the demarcation and delimitation process. This is something we've been talking yeah. about. However, he noted it is difficult to imagine this process of demarcation and delimitation of borders, which have recently been violated by Azerbaijan and where frequent shootings take place, meaning the Sotkhoz Navar area of the Armenian-Azerbaijan border. We have to just remind our listeners that right now there are Azerbaijani troops on sovereign Armenian territory in, in Kerarkunik and in Sunik, um, and this is what he was also referring to. Pashinyan also replied to Aliyev's comments about Iranian army and narco-trafficking through Nagorno-Karabakh, stating that army and Iran are fighting against smuggling of drugs very effectively. He noted that the volume of confiscated drugs has also increased on the army and Iranian border, which means that the anti-drug operations are effective. On October 12th, Nigol Pashinyan, the prime minister, visited Moscow for his fourth meeting with Russia's president, Vladimir Putin. This is the fourth meeting this year. Before the closed-door meeting started, Pashinyan announced that the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict is still not resolved and that Russia plays an important role in the settlement of the conflict as well as ensuring peace and security in the region. Well, Aliyev keeps stating that it's resolved. We keep right. stating that it's not resolved, yet we're negotiating, and yet uh, we're in international courts and everything. So it's, if you'd repeat it enough times, it doesn't <laughs> become true. Well, Putin stated that the most important topic is finding a long-term solution for the conflict. The sides did not offer further details. However, according to a statement issued by the Kremlin prior to Pashinyan's visit to Moscow, the main topic of discussion was the implementation process of the November 9 and January 11 trilateral agreements and further steps to be taken for strengthening stability and economic cooperation in the region. There was no joint press conference 
or statement after the meeting. And on October 12th, for the first time ever, India's Minister of External Affairs uh, visited Armenia. Speaking about his first trip to Armenia, Foreign Minister Subramanyam Jaishankar stated that this visit heralds the start of a new phase in Indian-Armenian relations. The minister noted that he held productive meetings with his Armenian counterpart, uh, Ararat Mirzoyan, where current relations between the two countries and future avenues of cooperation were discussed. Jaishankar stated that while Indian-Armenian relations are well-developed in the cultural and political spheres, there is still room for improvement in economic relations. Following their meeting, the foreign ministers uh, held a joint press conference. The Indian External Affairs Minister also said that India supports the peaceful settlement of the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict within the framework of the OSCE Minsk Group. Arat Mizoyan stated that the Indian Foreign Minister's visit to Yerevan proves that relations between the two countries are developing and that the visit will stimulate the development of relations in all fields, adding that India is one of Armenia's most important partners and that deepening cooperation with India is a foreign policy priority for Armenia. Mirzoyan also stated that Armenia supports India in the conflict over Jammu and Kashmir, thanking his counterpart for India's support of Armenia in the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict and for the announcement made by India's foreign ministry back in May of this year, calling on Azerbaijani armed forces to leave the sovereign territory of Armenia. He also stated that Armenia and India should aim to increase cooperation in the field of security as well. The ministers also discussed the North-South Highway and the Persian Gulf Black Sea transportation corridors. Jayashankar stated that transportation corridors are important for India and are given priority as connectivity is very important to international relations now because of emerging markets. He said that Armenia's involvement is appreciated as it will create new opportunities for existing projects. Speaking about the Persian Gulf Black Sea corridor, Mirzoyan stated that negotiations with Iran are developing in a dynamic way and an agreement may be signed soon. Direct flights between the two countries were discussed by the ministers also. Jaishankar also met with Armenia's Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan, who had just returned from his trip from Moscow after meeting with Putin. The two discussed expanding economic relations. The Indian Foreign Minister spoke of the possibility of holding an Indian business forum or sending a mission of business uh, people to Armenia. Prior to uh, his visit to Armenia, Armenia's Minister of Territorial Administration and Infrastructure, Ganel Sanosian, and India's ambassador to Armenia, uh, had discussed India's interests in infrastructure development projects in the country. The Indian ambassador said that there are many successful companies in India which can participate in projects in Armenia. The religious leaders of Armenia, Russia, and Azerbaijan met in Moscow on October 13. Since 1988, this is the 17th meeting in such a format dedicated to the resolution of the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict. Patriarch Kirill of Moscow and all Russia announced at the beginning of the meeting that overcoming issues in the aftermath of the Nagorno-Karabakh war would be discussed. He said that he believed that the authority of the religious leaders will have a positive impact on the minds of people and that the meeting itself and the dialogue between the Armenian and Azerbaijani religious leaders will be an example for others. And speaking of religious leaders, Armenia's president, Armin Sarkisian, met with Pope Francis on October 11 during his official visit to Italy and the Vatican. Sarkisian and the Pope discussed the consequences of the Artsakh war, as well as regional and international issues. Armin Sarkisian told the Pope that the Artsakh conflict is a humanitarian issue. 
Iran's Attorney General Mohammad Jafar Montazari was also in Armenia this week for a three-day official visit, during which he met Armenia's Minister of Justice, Garen Andreasian, Prime Minister Nigol Pashinyan, and Speaker of Parliament, Alain Simonian. Montazari told Armenia's Minister of Justice that, given the new realities in the region, Iran and Armenia should deepen cooperation. Andreasian expressed willingness to put more effort into strengthening bilateral relations. During his meeting with Alain Simonian, Montazari said that the security of its neighbors are important for Iran and that bilateral and multilateral cooperation is only possible if there is long-lasting stability in the region. During his meeting with Pashinyan, he said that Iran will never allow the deployment of terrorists and warmongering forces along its borders. In return, Pashinyan noted that in order to face challenges together, it is important to further develop economic relations between the two countries, in particular to extend the electricity for gas agreement and fully use the potential of the free economic zone in uh, Armenia's southern city of Mehri. And on October 13, Armenia recalled its ambassador to Iran. Artash Estumanian had been appointed as Armenia's ambassador to Iran in February of 2015. On the same day, Arsen Avakian was appointed as Armenia's new ambassador, who previously served as the head of the Department of Bordering Countries. And while tensions between Iran and Azerbaijan seem to have settled down recently, Iran's foreign ministry spokesperson, Saeed Khadib Sadeh, told Iranian National Radio Service that Iran has evidence proving that terrorist groups have been transferred to Azerbaijan. He stated that Iran even has recordings of conversations between the terrorists. According to the spokesperson, Iran has informed Azerbaijan that the presence of terrorists in the region is unacceptable, and the Azerbaijani side has assured them that they will consider Iran's concerns. And the foreign ministers of Iran and Azerbaijan also had a telephone conversation on October 13. Iran's foreign minister, Hussein Abdullahian, told his Azerbaijani counterpart, Jehun Bayramov, that Tehran and Baku have enemies and they should not allow these enemies to spoil relations. He mentioned that differences should be settled through dialogue. The parties also discussed the Goris Khapan Highway, and Abdullahian told Bayramov that Iran is expecting a solution to the issue. And this refers to Iranian truck drivers being fined and two of them arrested while using that highway. Well, one month after Nigol Pashinyan's official visit to Georgia, Prime Minister of Georgia, Irakli Gharibashvili, visited Armenia during their meeting. Uh, the two leaders noted that the frequent meetings of uh, you know of the size signifies that relations between the two countries are developing dynamically. The prime ministers discussed bilateral uh, relations and developments in the region. And in other news that is not related to any meeting or a conference, <laughs> a criminal case was launched in connection to Armenia's third president, Ser Sarkisian's trip to Baden-Baden during his presidency. In September, the fact investigative platform, which is FIB, reported that during his presidency between 2008 and 2018, Ser Sarkisian traveled to Baden-Baden 16 times using the presidential airplane for personal purposes. Some of the flights were organized in violation of established procedures without prior written applications received from the office of the President of the Republic of Armenia. Right, this has been a long-standing conversation about Serge Sarkisian and his gambling trips to Baden-Baden, so we'll see what will come of this. And on October 11, Armenia's former defense minister, David Donoyan's team of lawyers issued a statement that Donoyan does not accept the charges leveled against him and claims that he did not commit the crimes he is accused of. Donoyan also claims that he has information that will restore, quote, his good name. 
While the statement notes that Tonoyan has refrained from making any public announcements following his resignation, taking into account state secrets and Armenia's national security interests, Tonoyan believes that an expert investigation will give substantial and impartial answers to the allegations of purchasing low-quality weapons. David Tonoyan was arrested on September 30 for embezzlement and was remanded into custody for a minimum of two months. Well, SNP has issued a rating for Armenia for the first time ever, assigning it a B-plus rating with a positive outlook. Although the rating signifies that Armenia's investment environment is relatively risky with a higher-than-average chance of default, B-plus ratings are just below investment grade but are the highest rating in the non-investment grade bracket. And according to Armenia's Deputy Prime Minister Meher Grigorian, the rating gives Armenia access to the debt market and improved conditions. It also promotes the formation of domestic capital and provides Armenian private companies with access to the capital market, which, as Grigorian stated during the government session on October 14, is very important for Armenia. Armenia has received ratings from Moody's and and according to the Korean, an additional rating from SNP means that Armenian capital market will be considered more accurate and diverse. And as always, we end with uh, the situation of the pandemic. So Armenia is facing its third wave of the coronavirus pandemic, straining the healthcare system yet again. On the evening of October 14, Deputy Health Minister Gevork Simonian announced that there were no beds left for COVID patients. The day before, he had written that 300 people were waiting to be hospitalized. Daily infection rates continue to rise with over 1,000 infections registered per day and this week alone over 160 people have died of COVID-related causes. On October 13, another pregnant woman died of COVID. This is already the second such case. While in many countries pregnant women are a target group for COVID vaccination campaigns in Armenia, many pregnant women are hesitant to get vaccinated and doctors also have a divided opinion. The vaccination rate has increased slightly after the government's decision that starting on October 1, employers have to demand COVID-19 test results from employees if they have not been vaccinated. Almost 6% of the population is fully vaccinated, which is an atrociously low number. However, last week cases have been discovered when medical workers issued vaccination certificates without actually vaccinating people. And in one such case, it was revealed that over 700 people were given vaccination certificates without being vaccinated. The staff of one of the clinics in Gyumri demanded from 5,000 to 10,000 drums for false vaccination cards. The vaccines which were supposedly administered were in fact destroyed. When I heard that, it was just mind-blowing to me. It's one thing to give a fake certificate, but then you you destroy the vaccine that could have gone to somebody that needed it. It was evidence of your... Um, Unbelievable. Yeah, crime. Well, six employees of the clinic involved in the case have been arrested, and it's very interesting to see what kind of punishment they will receive because we were discussing this earlier with someone who knows law and saying it's just jeopardizing public safety, falsification of documents, uh, destruction of government property, because these vaccines vaccines are government property. Of course, of course. Well, the government has prepared a new bill which will allow employers to terminate contracts with employees if they do not present a PCR test or proof of vaccination, because this was an issue. It's one thing for the government to say that after October 1, you have to give a negative PCR test or proof of vaccination. And the business community, the employers were saying, but I don't have the tools within the labor code 
I mean, how do I, based on what? So now they're presenting this bill. COVID-19 infection numbers have been also rising in Artsakh, and the government there has moved to tighten measures. Schools will go on an early fall break starting October 18, and university classes will be held online. And yesterday we were walking Rubina, right? And we saw a vaccination station, and we saw somewhere where people were going to get PCR tests. And there's just crowds of people without any masks, no social distancing. But to their credit, they were there to be vaccinated. Or to get a negative PCR test. Anyway, that's the kind of week, a very busy week here in Armenia. Thank you for listening. Have a good weekend, and we will be back again next week.